Are you missing out on the key to a life filled with joy and purpose? Don't turn away now. This is not a health and wellness message. Are you ready to learn what it truly means to pray with intense desire and trust in God? To understand the character of a merciful and righteous God? To know the difference between the foolish who will not stand in God's sight and those who will put their trust in Him? Join us as we dive into Psalm 5 and see what it looks like to have a life dedicated to God. From finding His favor and protection to overcoming adversity, this show will provide you the guidance you need to live a life of devotion and fulfill your ultimate calling. So don't miss that opportunity. Good morning and welcome to God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the devil, and the world. And we do that best by positively walking in God's light and direction. This morning, we are going to be reading Psalm 5 and then breaking it apart to see a few different things here. And the three points that I would like to focus on is a life lived for God through devotion, what is the character of God, and a life lived without God. And we're going to kind of put all that together and see what David had to say in Psalm 5 that will help us in these same areas of life. So without further ado, let's start reading Psalm 5. Psalm 5 says, To the chief musician uh, upon Nahaloth, a psalm of David, Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God. For unto thee will I pray. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O God, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. For thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with thee. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. Thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing. The Lord will abhor the bloody and deceitful man. But as for me, I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy, and in thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of mine enemies. Make thy way straight before my face. For there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is very wickedness. Their throat is an open sepulcher. They flatter with their tongue. Destroy thou them, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions, for they have rebelled against thee. But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy, because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. For thou, Lord, wilt bless the righteous with favor, Wilt thou compass him as with a shield? So one way for us to see the positives of a life that is devoted to God is to see who God is. That's one way. The other way is then to see the plight of the wicked. What is going to happen to them? What is their end? What what can we observe from this life? But also, what does the Bible say even about the end of those that are wicked? Their death, where they go to afterwards, all of those things. David, who wrote this psalm, had experienced God in a very positive way throughout many hardships he had in his life and about 10 years of hardship running away from Saul, who was trying to kill him. He also witnessed the downfall of many of his enemies at God's very hand. And so when you're saved from great dangers, you naturally feel very connected to the one that saved you. And this is why David seemed to have the heart that he did He went through some terrible difficulties, and in the midst of it all, he is able at that point to fling himself on the mercy of God, and God came through for him time and time again. Therefore, it just makes sense that if I'm in trouble again, I'm going to call on God again because he helped me the last time. 
Now, you and I are living in a world full of me, what I want, what I think, what I feel. And living in a world full of me, it's hard to look outward in thankfulness to something or to someone that's much higher than us because I'm so consumed with myself. You're so consumed with yourself. If we could just, however, get a picture of God, behold the goodness and the severity of God, maybe we could seek him with all our heart. Maybe you would seek God with all your heart. And if you could see the end of the wicked, maybe, just maybe, you would flee from sin. Maybe you would walk away from living a wicked life and stop flirting around with it. And I hope that that is what happens as you listen to this and you see what David saw. And so I want to start here first with a life that is lived without God. That helps us to understand some things. And a life lived without God, I'm picking apart uh, some of the verses here in Psalm 5, trying to find out what this psalm says about the wicked. So if we go to verse 5, verse 5 says, The foolish shall not stand in God's sight. Thou hatest all the workers of iniquity. So we're told that the foolish, their end is that they will not stand in judgment. No matter how much they boast themselves of being a great person, they've never done any harm. I, I love everybody. I'm an honest person. I've heard so many of those kind of things before, and yet they're living a wicked life. And you may be that person living that wicked life. The Bible says the foolish, the wicked will not stand in judgment. It doesn't matter what comes out of their mouth. If their life has not been radically transformed by God, if they're not seeking hard after God and living a life above sin, it, they're just fooling themselves. And he says that the judgment, you're not going to stand. In verse 6, it says, Thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing. The Lord will abhor the bloody and deceitful man. So the thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing. Leasing is falsehood. The wicked speak lies. They, sure, they'll speak the truth when it's good for them, when they're going to have a good outcome from it. And they want always the truth to be coming toward them, even though they themselves may be dishonest at times. But the wicked speak lies. We're told in this verse that the the wicked are murderers. He says, the Lord will abhor the bloody. Now, people can literally be murderers and taking people's lives, but also just their heart and the hatred in their heart. And Jesus said that's where murder stems from. Also, the wicked are deceitful by nature. So not only are they being deceitful with their tongue, but they are in their deepest command station of their soul. They are deceitful there. That is the the wellspring of all of their wickedness. And so their disposition is that they would lie, that they would speak lies in order to get whatever they please. So this is the, the snapshot of the wicked according to the psalm. And it's probably much more if you were to look through the entire Bible, but this helps us to understand uh, a little picture here. In verse 9 of this same psalm, we're told there's no faithfulness in the wicked's mouth. We're told that they are not faithful people. They're not true. They're not loyal in the deepest sense of the word. They only do it when it helps themselves, but they're not that way by principle. Also, it says that their inward part is very wickedness. So their inward motive is to do wickedly. They, they aren't, their, their inward disposition is not, I want to please God and I'd rather die than displease him. It's, well, you know, this is, I mean, I'll do good if it goes along with what I need to, but really, I just want to live for myself and do my own thing. And if I can put it under the guise of really loving God and walking with him, well, then that just makes everything better for me with my relationship with people because they look at me differently if they think that I'm a virtuous person, though virtue may not be the motive of my heart. We're told the wicked have an inward motive to do wickedly. 
Their mouth is as good as a grave. It says their throat's an open sepulcher. They flatter with their tongue. Basically, their mouth puts forth death. Even when their lips don't make those words that seem directly like death, the, it is like a trap, you know, where you'd put sticks over a hole that you dug and cover it with the leaves and hoping somebody would walk by and fall into the ditch underneath. That is the mouth of a wicked person. We're told they flatter people. They manipulate the, their subjects, the ones they want to put under their control to do their own will. That's the only reason they speak good words is because of what they want from you. And you may be that person. You may be the lying, deceitful manipulator. You may be that person that inwardly, if you were to be very honest with your inward nature, what you really want is to to have what you want and you don't care whose toes you step on to get there. Verse 10, it tells us that the wicked have their own counsels rejecting God's. They think that they're better than God. They can think better than God. They've got better advice than God does. We're also told in verse 10 of this psalm that uh, they sin, the wicked sin, in multitudes of different ways, and they continue to multiply that sin upon sin upon sin, and that ultimately the wicked are rebels against God. So the definition of a wicked person is somebody that is just against God, that has not laid down their arms. They have told God that they will live the life they want to live and that their secret sins are okay. Um, and or even their blatant sins, because after all, they're just humans, something to that nature. Well, let's go on from the wicked and look at the character of God. We read in the second verse of this psalm that God is a king. God is king and ruler of all, and there's no higher power than God. We, we understand that God is holy through verses four and five. We say that God has no pleasure in wickedness. He doesn't dwell, um, or evil doesn't dwell with him. The foolish won't stand in his sight. He hates all the workers of iniquity. This helps us to understand that God is holy. He hates sin. He hates wickedness. He will not dwell with it. So if you're living in sin, don't fool yourself in thinking that God is your best buddy in dwelling with you and pleased with your life. It says that he hates it and he won't dwell with it. Verse six, we read that God... Uh, destroys those that speak falsehood and lies. In other words, God is just in his dealings toward the wicked. Uh, also in verse 10, we we hear uh, David saying, destroy thou them, O God, let them fall by their own counsels, cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions, for they have rebelled against thee. God is just toward his dealing with the wicked. He will destroy those wicked people. And if it doesn't happen here in this earth right now, in the last day, it will be seen to be just that way. And may God have mercy on those that do not repent. In verse seven, we read that God is abundant, abundantly merciful at heart. Though he's just and holy, he also has a disposition to be merciful at heart. He wants to be merciful. That is his default. Verse 8, we're told that God is righteous. God, God is not only holy in, in his heart, in his disposition, in his essence, but he does right. That is what righteousness is, to do right. And God loves not only to do right, but to lead people in righteousness, according to this verse. He's the shepherd, and we are the sheep. Verse 12, we're told about God that he is good at heart and he loves to give blessing. His blessings also, though, can be conditional. We read that God uh, will bless the righteous. So if you're not righteous, that helps us to believe or understand that he may not bless you. We're also told here that that favor compasses about the righteous, uh, his favor compassing them about as like a shield. So God is also a protector. So here we find the character of God. But then we find something that, that a different response to life and to God, and that is a life lived for God through devotion. We read in the beginning of this psalm in the first verse, 
Uh, David says, give ear, literally answer my prayers. And then he says, listen to the meditations of my heart. See the deeper thoughts and motives that are even behind my words. This is the heart of somebody who's devoted to God that wants to seek after him. He says it again, listen to me, answer my prayers in verse two. And he says that he cries unto him, which means that a person that seeks after God has an intense desire and recognizes God's character as king and Lord over their lives. Verse three, he says, that the daily habit of his was that he would rise up in the morning and the first thing he'd do was he would pray. He would seek after God. And it says that then he would look up to God, which is meaning that he had faith. He was expecting God was going to come through. This is the heart of a devoted person. In verse seven, we read that he would come into God's house. He was taking the initiative to find God, the devoted person. And he realizes the disposition of God is great mercy, which helps him even more to lay himself out in front of God. And we realize that he also had a deep reverence, a fear towards God in his temple, a reverence of who God is and what he's capable of balanced out with his mercy. We read in verse 8 that he was looking for the leadership. The devoted person looks for the leadership of God because of being surrounded by God's enemies. And he had a willingness to adjust his life to God's will. That's If you're devoted to God, that's what your heart would be like. Then in verse 10, we read that the devoted person's heart's prayer aligns with the desires of God for justice. We don't pervert justice because it's inconvenient to us. Our heart says, this is what God loves and this is what God hates, and I'm going to pray accordingly, even if it's to my own hurt. And then we read in verse 11 that whoever is devoted in heart toward God, there is a trust in a devoted heart. We read also that there is rejoicing as that person trusts God with a devoted heart. And we read that there is love for God in a devoted heart. Not just ushy-gushy stuff, but it, it really has an effect in the life. And then in verse 12, we read that there is assurance of God's favor in the devoted heart. So if you don't want God in his holiness and his justice to come down upon your life in in a barrage of difficulties and sufferings, or you don't want to be found wanting when the judgment day comes and have your fate be those of the wicked, which we told right there. And if you have found yourself to be a wicked person, there's good news. All you've got to do is you have to face yourself in the light of God, repent of your sins, Trust in Jesus Christ, lay your whole life out before him, and then walk in the light that Jesus sheds your pathway and be a life of one devoted. Your next step is to call 570-362-7782. I'd love to talk with you on the phone, or if you're local, I'd love to get in contact with you, meet at a coffee shop. I want you to visit godsresistance.com and visit at God's Resistance Press on YouTube. Also, stay tuned. We will be meeting in the Abide Coffee Shop in downtown Wilkes-Barre coming soon.